0: Hey, so what is going on, everyone? It is me, Mr. Mario. And Dope Swinner. And how are you doing today, Daniel?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Dogs are quiet for a second, so I'm okay. How are you doing? X.
0: Ex- oh my God. Yeah, I'm doing all right. No, right before this recording, like his dogs were just going off for about five minutes. We were afraid this wasn't going to work out. Neighbor's dogs. Yeah, neighbors. Okay, well, (laughs) didn't you say it was your dogs, too, that they were having, Uh, like, the big meeting and everything? That was, yes, just anyways. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyways, this is Mod Chat episode 14, where uh, we normally talk about modding and the universe and anything else in between that has to do with modding. And we can either talk about a topic in life or some old thing that we're reminiscing about, or the past few episodes, which people have really enjoyed, have been kind of just uh, news in the modding scene that we've conglomerated into about an hour-long podcast. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Yep. So uh, this is Dope Swanner over here, and uh, he, you, you want to plug any of, your, uh, any of your social media stuff, anything like that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't. Oh, okay. Well, he has a YouTube channel. You can check it out down below. But we also – this is a special episode because uh, if you couldn't tell from the title – well, thank you for being here because you probably blindly
2: clicked it. But we do have a guest on the show, and they should probably introduce themselves as well. Hello. I am Borman. I run a YouTube channel called PDP Online – Uh, My focus isn't necessarily on modding itself, but on game prototypes and just preservation of games, which modding has a huge part of. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so we decided to bring him on the show because exactly as you said, modding does have a huge part of that, and uh, I'd highly recommend checking out his channel as well too, which will be down below in the description, where uh, you cover quite a few unreleased games and then beta builds and all that stuff, right?
2: Yep, exactly. I mean, it could be anything from the crappiest game that you probably never wanted to play, up to something huge like Star Wars Battlefront 3. Mm-hmm. And the actual Battlefront 3, right? Not the, the, one real that we got. One, the real one, not the whole EA thing that we call a game. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so definitely check that out. But, uh, I mean, just kind of going off the cuff here and everything, really what got you into uh, video game preservation and everything, and what do you believe makes it so important to, I guess, gaming as a culture and all
2: that? Well, obviously all of us who are here listening now think that games are important in some way. Unfortunately, it's been shown time and time again that the not necessarily the developers, but just the companies as a whole weren't doing enough to actually preserve these things. You look back to the silent film era where something like 50% or more of the silent films are lost. You fast forward in time to something like Doctor Who, which has come back huge in the past couple of years, except we're missing 90 episodes. Really? Exactly, yeah. All these old black and white episodes are completely gone because they used to basically erased the tapes because the tapes were more valuable than the shows that's news to me too i had no idea and then you fast forward in time to games and the same thing was going on they didn't learn from it (laughs) all these storage things whether they were magnetic tapes whether they were just rom carts they were used over and over again Which means big companies have lost source code. Source code like Panzer Dragoon Orta, or uh, not Orta, uh, Saga, is apparently gone. Oh, you had to bring that up. That hit me. That hit me. (sighs) But this this happens over and over and over again where companies just don't have their source code. They don't have their data. Silent Hill, when they did the HD remake apparently they were working off old source code because they didn't have the final source code. Mm -hmm. And I think that also happened with the Metal Gear Solid collection as well, too, because I
0: remember uh, there were some minor things. Like, for example, when I played Metal Gear Solid 2, some of the posters were incredibly dark to the point where you could barely see them compared to the PS2 version. And then even uh, Silent Hills, I remember that was just kind of a train wreck because they had to go in and play with an older build and fix it as they ported it. And then for some reason they changed all the fonts to Comic Sans for the
2: signs and then they didn't have the effects, it was just a mess. And that's why preservation matters, because unlike things with where you had like tapes years ago, where maybe they sent off a tape to someplace in Africa, like happened in Doctor Who, nobody was sending these tapes out. There aren't tapes of source code lying around. So you're mm-hmm. hoping that a developer went home with it, maybe a build was sent to the press, or, I mean, old games are going to die eventually, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. somebody's got to do this now while we still have the games, rather than hope that 100 years from now, maybe somebody will do it. Mm-hmm. Are, are you familiar? I mean, I'm sure you are, since this is what you're into, but Assembler Games?
1: Absolutely. I'm a moderator over there. Oh, there you go. No kidding. That, that, <laughs> that's Yeah, that's where um, I personally have seen a lot of stuff when it comes to developer things, and also um, betas and whatnot. Because I remember a while ago, there was a guy that was, uh, I think he had, was it glover too or there there was a yep yeah that's what it was i was watching the the, i think he was trying to like like raise enough or something like that to to basically like um make a backup of it or something like that but
2: yeah so the thing that happens is we do public fundraisers because like yeah i have some money but i'm just a teacher i'm not rich so we try and pass ask for money and say hey pitch in a few dollars we'll dump it and put it online
1: yeah, which is badass because again, like those those are things that nobody would ever get their hands on if there wasn't such thing as like those kind of forums and communities where people are interested in actually not just keeping it in a closet for themselves, but actually giving it out there to other people that might want to experience that that, you know, that um uh, I guess that experience that they might not have been able to otherwise.
2: Exactly, because those companies that made those games are gone. Mm-hmm. Like there there is no going back into some vast company archive like Disney has. I mean, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So you have to rely on everybody, whether it's me who has spent thousands on prototypes, or just the guy <laughs> who just picked up the first one. Everything is important.
1: Have, have right. you for your for your prototypes? Have you ever gotten any of it locally, or is it pretty much all online?
2: Uh, it's been all online. I, I've come close to getting some things locally. Like I know there's people around with things, but it just hasn't worked out. Okay. Yeah, because the only thing, I mean, the only thing I could think of that I
1: got, which I wish I had a to I actually got rid of it on Assembler a long, like years ago, but I picked up a, um, it was a test kit uh, for an Xbox 360, um, some, mm-hmm. ga- some guy had gotten to test out one of the guitar heroes at this facility that closed down, and I guess um, either all the people that tried it out got to keep it, or they were just, like, auctioning them off or something like that, but it was, like, a mint condition Zephyr board uh, <laughs> test kit, which was fucking awesome, you know?
2: Yeah, sometimes they just walk out, who, yeah. who knows how they got it, but...
0: Yeah. I mean then the sad thing is well too when you deal with the hardware and all that i guess um how have you dealt with that or how do you feel about that because a lot of it is just kind of disposed of where there's this it's it's truly valuable hardware and it could have you know even more invaluable files on it but for example with the xbox 360 i've never owned any development or test hardware uh but from what i've seen quite a few kits have actually they go over to china to be destroyed and they are just wrecked like the ethernet ports are destroyed and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then eventually you know they kind of walk out of the factories as well to be destroyed at and wind up on Taobao, but still, that's hardware that people would love to have, and it's valuable, and it's just getting sent overseas or other places to be disposed of completely.
2: Right, I think that's where the first kind of sets of development kits came from. I know the first one I bought was recovered from a recycling place, and it was awful. I mean, these were Xenon kits. They were the worst things you could ever want for way too much money. So that's where it starts, and the cool thing about those is they often do have data on them. You know, when they walk out of the studios, most of the time they try to erase things off the hard drives. But these kits were all broken, so they're just ending up out there in China where they're sitting. Maybe they end up someplace cool, or maybe they throw them out. Mm-hmm. So, do do you
1: have tough... much much knowledge with like uh, re- rework type stuff to, to you know fix broken electronics or not necessarily?
2: Nah, not yet. I'd like to start getting into some of it, but it's just been a cost and time thing. Yeah, I I admit straight up that I have probably some of the shakiest hands ever, so even installing (laughs) a mod chip was a struggle back in the day. Got you. And I haven't gotten much better... But, I mean, I lived in college dorms for years. They don't exactly like you to be soldering inside the rooms. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah.
0: I, th- I never lived in a dorm, so thankfully I didn't have that. But I also got the shaky hands going on, but I've been
2: able to be successful with it, mm-hmm. thankfully. Yeah, it's something I've been looking into recently because, I mean, I have a lot of one-of-a-kind hardware that I'm going to have to fix at some point. So, you got to learn. Of course, of course.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of, you know, slightly plugging right here. But I know Johnny Guns, if you're familiar with him, he's actually up in New York. I'm not sure where you, cool. you're at, but uh, yeah, I could definitely give you his info at one point later on. He's a guy. Nice. He's he Yeah, he, oh my god, he's the best. No, I send my hardware to him to get repaired <laughs> and modified and all that. Well, the modifications now, I do most of them, but still he's excellent with his mods and then he has all the
1: rework stuff. Yeah, he's That's awesome. He's got just like the perfect—I I don't know, man. Like he hasn't had any, like as far as I know, um, like professional rework training. I know he worked at the radios lab, but I don't think he really did much uh, soldering. I think it's all self-taught. But he has just gone above and beyond, like over the past couple of years, and his knowledge and just his his level of skills is is ridiculous. Like the stuff he can do. I was—I mean, he just posted. I don't know if you saw the other day. I think he was repairing a Southbridge chip or something like that. Do you see that, Mario? Uh, uh, was it on social media? Yeah, it was on Instagram okay i didn't see that i haven't been on so on uh instagram recently but yeah i mean he, he did he did some pretty solid trace repair and it said it took him three hours but he was finally able to get the board up and going again i mean he's just got patient i, I don't have i can't do that man working on a on a, on a pad for three hours you know no, no. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> No, I understand. I especially even with some some systems too you start looking at them like for example, I've actually been going back to the PS1 a little bit for modding because it's been it's been interesting me again. I've been looking at it and uh, there's several new developments on there that are quite cool. But the thing is with it as well, there's some things like I've looked at like for example, replacing a laser on a original PlayStation. I'm like, "Well, the laser assembly is like $20 at least online." a whole working PlayStation is like 15 like is is it really worth fixing these up
1: yeah you've got to kind of uh uh, weigh out the pr- like pros and cons, or like whether it's actually worth it. Because sometimes, like you said too, if it's not super rare, I mean, I think in your scenario it's different because you've got one of a kind hardware, like you said. But for a lot of our right. stuff, there they, you got to get to the point where it's like, is it worth repairing for fifteen bucks and spending all this time? or just you know scrapping and getting a new part.
0: Exactly. Especially when you know, like for example, like going back to the PlayStation here, the PS One. We we know for a fact it sold uh 102 million units, so wow. it's by no means rare. <laughs>
2: I don't think we can say anything other than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, the PS1 was an amazing console. And I think now, like you said, with all the new developments lately, it's finally starting to appear as an interesting thing for people. Mm-hmm. We're You're getting to where the Super Nintendo was a few years ago, where it started to pick up Steam. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years for that. The Dreamcast
0: has really been picking up Steam, too. Or mm-hmm. like I think in 2015, what, like seven homebrew games came out on the Dreamcast really yeah I, I didn't
1: even know that it's, I... it's
0: it's so weird they're still releasing games on there and uh, another person adam korlick who's like absolutely obsessed with the dreamcast i follow his channel almost religiously and like he did a video talking about that and he's like well this is why i think you know it's been getting so popular and i'm not gonna spoil the video but essentially it's like every year there's been two or three like indie releases and then like all of a sudden 2015 7 came out It's awesome dude
2: yeah. And they're starting to be really good, too. They're not just like, 2D, I've made my first video game, here we go. They're starting to be really, really involved, which is what I find to be exciting about them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that I, I, needed, I was going to make a video on it, but I never ended up doing I don't know, Mario, if you remember, but a while back I released a video talking about a game called Haxer that was created for the 3DS yes well basically it was a guy over at GBA Temp that has some knowledge of the game development and he released it it's a homebrew um, game for the 3DS and he actually after I made that video contacted me and I meant to make a video about that but uh, basically was just thanking me for giving him a shout out type thing on his game and saying that he is working on his second uh, game for homebrew for the 3DS which I think is fucking awesome dude that's fantastic. Hey, any type of homebrew support we can ever see on a game mm. system is always awesome. Yeah, because ultimately, I mean, that's I've said that before in my videos, but as much as I do, like, just cosmetically modding things, um, the ultimate goal is is to basically create, not destroy, you know? And when, you, when, you're, when you're supporting people that are actually using their knowledge to add things and create games that don't have the funds to get behind a big studio, I think that's an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I thought that was really cool
0: oh absolutely no it's always neat to see all this stuff yeah so Borman I'm kind of wanting to know what is some of the because I'm assuming a lot of people here who are listening are going to be new to your channel and everything mm-hmm. and new to your content but uh, I guess what are some of the uh, holiest or like best examples or like some of the stuff that you'd carry around in a triforce with you of just <laughs> like awesome stuff of things that you have found either hardware or software wise because I can name off a few things so I kind of want you to
2: name off your stuff as well too <laughs> So, I mean, we already talked about Star Wars. That's online now if you go and look for it. It didn't come through me, so don't come after me. (laughs) I I did see some dude from 4chan ended up leaking it out. I know the full story. I knew it was happening. You know, That's what happens when people aren't always as honest as you you want them to be. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. The things that I love, especially are things that I get from developers... So it was something like Stargate SG One. The, the TV show went on for ten seasons. We had the spinoff five seasons, two for another uh, show, and yet it never really got a good game. Mm-hmm. They tried, which was the Stargate SG One: The Alliance for the PC, Xbox, and PS Two. And as a huge fan, being able to play that, being able to talk to the to the uh, developers about it, that was kind of one of my big highlights. I
0: mean, that's just invaluable right there. Now, did this game, because I'm, I'm completely oblivious to the Stargate franchise and all that, but did that game ever come out, or was it canceled?
2: Completely canceled. Okay. And what makes it interesting is it was fully voiced by the people on the show, so you have all this voice acting, all this interesting story, because it was actually being written by some of the people who worked on the show. And yeah, now that it's been canceled, some people have since passed away. So the content that MGM, who is the right holder, is, is sitting on right now, I mean, it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. They just have, like, this wealth of information there. But, I mean, at this point, they really can't
0: use it or anything because, like, all the developers, like you said, the studios probably aren't there. The same developers yeah, aren't, aren't going to be there. That's old code as well, too. Like, it gets yeah, to the it was point. Unreal
2: Engine 2. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, that's not going to help anybody. But that voice acting, even just that little bit of it, you, you could put that to a comic, mm-hmm. like a, a visual comic why not so yeah. i mean there's options out there yeah
0: no because there's been other projects i've seen you uh you work with as well too and i think one of my favorites is like this is someone like i myself am quite passionate about this show but like the south park you build that you had or the Absolutely. south park game that uh i know correct me if i'm wrong but uh i know it was revealed but i think uh, it was revealed sometime one or two years ago by someone who mm-hmm. got a development kit and then Happy Console Gamer talked to the person who bought that development kit and then you got that development kit that had the game. Right, it,
2: right? There, there may have been somebody else in between there but that, that's the general idea. Hmm. Of course. And yeah, disclose whatever you want or
0: don't want to. But um, no, as like myself, as somebody who is a huge fan of that show, and mm-hmm. I don't think we got a, well, I still am, but like we didn't get a proper game until the Stick of Truth, which is a excellent nod to the franchise right there. It was cool seeing that game could have been. If it came out, it could have been the first good South Park game, and nobody knew anything about it. Like even the first person that had anything that surfaced before Happy Console Gamer, like barely anyone knew anything about that.
2: Which is sad because there were those those of us out there who were doing the research. We did have some idea of the fact that this company in uh, Eugene, Oregon was working on this. So we did have some idea, but. They would never respond to emails, so the the story that Happy Console Gamer got out there was not the best, so I had to go through and try to correct some of their mistakes, which is one of the problems when people go out, they just start saying things at first glance, which brings me to one of my other videos that I just did, the so-called World of Warcraft prototype. That
0: was one of my favorites as well, too. I've never played World of Warcraft, but, like, for years, I also thought it
2: was a World of Warcraft prototype. Right, I mean, if you look at it, it looks like at least World of Warcraft, maybe Diablo, but it wasn't. It was mm-hmm. by Ubisoft. It was the Settlers game. <laughs> so, I mean, correcting that type of myth, myth that grows over the years, it, it could be really hard. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: what, uh, what made you decide eventually, or eventually, but originally to get into
2: YouTube? Was it to be able to share some of these things that you had in, like a, in a format other than on the forums? Yeah, I mean, I remember when YouTube was first starting. Uh, back then was kind of right when I was starting. I had started the idea as an online gaming magazine. But, I mean, there weren't any people really recording good gameplay footage back then. So I had my first channel in, like, 2006. So YouTube was not owned by Google then. No, definitely not. I I remember recording Dreamcast footage and that sort of thing. So that was always at the back of my mind, trying to get this stuff out there. Because it's not, like, I don't care if I do it, but I want the developers to see that somebody out there cares that they shouldn't be throwing this stuff in the trash So, Mm -hmm. like, I would rather not spend my money on it, to be honest. It's cool to be able to play these things. Mm -hmm. But if the developers do it, that's going to be so much better than somebody like me coming through with a shovel trying to pick up what I can could possibly ever do. Got you. So, that's the point of the YouTube channel, just trying to bring attention to these things.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, no,
0: it's always great to have that on hand.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of hardware, I mean, I've got just about any type of original Xbox development kit out there from the original alpha towers, which were just there. You always say that Xboxes are just kind of PCs in a black box. Mm -hmm. These were PCs. (laughs) I mean, they ran almost Windows 2000 for the earliest models. Then I have the beta hardware. I have the final hardware. I do have other consoles. Xbox was kind of neglected. So I picked that up and I was able to do a lot when nobody else was. Mm hmm. We've, I've got 360s, I've got PS3, some DS stuff, some Game Boy Advance. It's a bit of a mix, but the alpha kit for the Xbox, I think, is the coolest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nice. That yeah, I've, awesome.
2: I've seen plenty of those. I've never
0: bought one or anything, though. But they're definitely yeah, they don't nice. come
2: up anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, years ago, you used to see them. If not the full unit, then the case, at least. Mm-hmm. So I've got a full unit, which is stock. It's not in the best condition, but it works, mm-hmm. including an unreleased game on that, which is cool, based on the AI movie. Mm-hmm. artificial intelligence. Really? There was, have... was a game for that? Yeah. I it did was not... a fighting game. Go figure. What? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh wait. So there were actually rumors a few years before that there was one of these games out there. Mm-hmm. But nobody had details on it. Of course. And then I have another case of the alpha kit. So, I mean... There's so much good stuff that's been just kind of abandoned over the years that I've been trying to find. Mm-hmm.
0: The thing is as well, too, then a lot of these like for various copyright issues or anything like that, then mm-hmm. people might have trouble releasing them. Like not just you, but like companies and all that.
2: Right. Which we just saw with the Saints Row PSP prototype. Yes. Uh, Volition just went through all the legal hoops, making sure that what they're doing is all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have these big illegal companies. They 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 can do this. They just choose not to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That, that's what it comes down to, is they just choose not to pursue any of these things. Of course, of course. Yeah. It, it's disappointing to
0: see that. But at the same time, like I was going to bring up, you know, the volition thing where that was awesome, where I had mm-hmm. seen, you know, the making of videos. And for anyone that doesn't know, essentially there was a Saints Row game mm-hmm. called Saints Row Undercover that was going to come out to PSP. And they were developing it. And then it kind of got canceled. And it was almost lost in time. But there was some new guy there who found a PSP dev kit. And he's like, we've never worked on a PSP game. And turns out that they had. So then they were going to make a live stream and video about it. And at first they were saying no. And then it kind of turned into a bunch of yeses. And they thought it was the coolest thing. And then after the live stream at one point, the company was just like, hey, here's the ISO. Play around with it. Like, yeah, Mm. the game's buggy and it's not going to
2: work and it's nowhere near complete. But we know you guys want this. And there's so much that can be learned from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's ideas that work, and we get great games out of it. And then there's ideas that don't. Those ideas that don't count. I mean, they're what make those good games eventually be good. Mm-hmm. So from the research standpoint of people who want to get into the game industry, seeing what didn't work is great.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they say they say that you learn the most when you fail. Essentially, you know, by your by your mistakes, it's how you're able to create better things and learn things from it. Versus. Just succeeding. I mean, you kind of pick up the pieces and see this part of it was great. This part of it sucked. That's how you're able to build off of that.
2: Mm-hmm. And being able to draw, like, let's say they made another. They were working on a 3ds game. I'm sure that built from their failures on the PSP. They went to the 3ds and it also failed. But you know that 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 procedure is something that fans don't get to see very often. Mm-hmm. They just think a game shows up on day one and that's what it is. Exactly. But there's all these things that happen.
0: Yeah, and then it's always cool. Like, I mean, you see, like, little remnants of everything in retail games well, too, which is kind of where I first started getting into it, where I had seen, like, for example, uh, N64 GoldenEye. On the retail cartridge, mm-hmm. there is uh, a hidden level that was, you know, just a test level that was, you know, badly, do- not badly done, but badly brought over because you're not supposed to access it, and they didn't care, but people were able to recover that. And then there's even an entire, I think, ZX Spectrum, emulator in there and there's like 10 or 15 games on that as well too they don't have any audio but still that stuff that was in the retail game that people found you know through modding and all that later on and then i'm sure there's so much other stuff that was in you know the source code and just previous builds that we didn't get to see
2: right and i mean when you look at games like there was a tiger woods game on the ps1 that shipped with a a south park episode on the disc to take up space now (laughs) they did have to recall that later and they reissued it right (laughs) Yeah, and who knows how many discs are out there versus w- those without it, but I mean, the fact that that stuff happens. Then there was a DDR game, so I think their source code was shipped as uh, demo space, blank space, or they said it was blank space on the disc mm-hmm. padding. So there's all sorts of cool leftovers that get in these games if you just look around a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. I know even another thing was I had seen with Crash Bash like years ago. I don't have this copy, but there was a demo disc that shipped out back when they put an entire demo on one disc. But at the time, it was actually easier to just put a beta build of the game on there and then just put restrictions on it so that without a game shark or any type of modding tools you couldn't play those other parts of the game but it was much easier to do that than to create a um, a demo of it so they said okay we'll just go ahead and take this slightly modified beta slap it on here bam it's a demo and people didn't find out until years later when they looked at it they are like wow this is almost the full game yep. but it's on a demo
1: disc <laughs> that's badass I didn't even know that mm-hmm uh, that's sick. I do know that there's been a lot of. I mean, I don't have exact story like times off the top of my head I can think of, but just basically things where people have been able to look and basically through source code see that there was supposed to be more to a lot of games that, you know, didn't happen. Like they kind of left closed doors, but there's still doors there for things that could have been or maybe it mm-hmm. was on the back burner type thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is where a site like the Cutting Room Floor, they're a wiki that is dedicated to finding those things that's just an awesome resource even for me to be able to go in and say, "Hey, this is what was in the works that was still left in the retail code so that I can go in with the prototype build and say, Hey, look, it still works in this build <laughs> that's awesome so they're a good resource too
1: what what is that called it's cutting cutting room floor
2: yeah, the cutting room floor i think it's uh t c r f dot net okay that's awesome yeah that's definitely something cool to, i I've never heard of that yeah, their feature, featured article right now is Donkey Kong Country, but, I mean, anything from the Marios to more obscure games, they, they have a little bit of everything.
0: I know Beta64, he had actually, there was a live stream I listened to that he did a while ago, and he said the reason why he loves, like, he of course he loves Nintendo, but he said uh, one reason why he loves, like, scourging out, you know, beta information everything and, and making of stuff for Nintendo games is because Nintendo themselves are so secretive about mm-hmm. their things compared to other companies.
2: Absolutely. That's where I got into trouble when I found uh, four rare prototypes for the 64. Really? It goes back to doing that fundraiser thing because the guy that had them wanted a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And while I was willing to put the money forward to hold on to it, I, I couldn't risk losing. It was over $2,000 on these four ROMs, basically. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft caught wind of that. I got in some trouble for that. but Really? Yeah, they just sent <laughs> me a kindly worded letter saying, don't do that. Mm-hmm. All their information wasn't accurate, but I, I got the idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Of> <laughs> so that's course. one of the risks that we live with every day. Right, right, because then at any time,
0: like, these companies could be like, hey, we don't like that you're releasing that. Like, you just dealt with that with Ubisoft, didn't you?
2: Right, and I mean, from the video standpoint, Ubisoft really doesn't have a leg to stand on. I don't want to provoke them or anything, but uh for research purposes for the things that i'm doing it seems that i'm in the clear but with youtube being how crappy it is sometimes they just hit that pull button and my video disappears i get a copyright strike but they were so kind as to remove that so knock on wood i'll be okay
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) see so even even for these games that are you know old and never really you know surface they still sometimes get in heat for them
2: Absolutely. This was a video on uh, the Ghost Recon that came out in 2012, the Future Soldier. Uh-huh. I, I had found or was sent a build from E3 2010 before they retooled the game. Yeah. So I showed basically what the E3 version looked like, what they showed on screen during the big press conference. Then I showed what was actually going on. How there is no AI actually doing anything. Button presses that they were shown hitting didn't actually do anything. They did it all automatically. Huh. So sometimes companies don't like the truth. Yeah, I didn't lie. I didn't make stuff up. Mm-hmm. I just showed something they would rather you not see. That's, That's all true. it takes on YouTube. If they don't want it out there, they will hit that button. And I was going to say one big
0: thing as well, too, that's kind of unfortunate is even from your standpoint where you're creating videos and all that stuff, um, a lot of your videos that you might put out because of the content ID system and music and all that Mm -hmm. stuff, technically they are going to be incomplete videos because that way – so you don't get a strike or a content ID match or anything. I know there's been times where you've had to take out music tracks or mute music or anything Right, like
2: Star Wars uh, is a big one. There's a lot of uh, just – Uh, like free music that ends up in games, especially prototypes, just to take up space Mm -hmm. and to show that music works. Those get flagged. There's all sorts of games. Even the crappiest game has some sort of music that ends up getting me in trouble. So I remove audio a lot, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I I try to be honest about it. Like, hey, this licensed track was playing. Like in the South Park game, technically they hadn't licensed the music yet, but they had Let's Get Retarded playing (laughs) as Cartman is trying to find the clothes so he looks retarded. Yeah. So I mean, I say, hey, go put on this song while, while I'm playing the game. <laughs> it, it, it has the same effect, and it's just as ridiculous. Of course.
1: So you, even if you don't, uh, even if you don't monetize, it still does that.
2: Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. No, that's just
0: a YouTube thing built in. That's so like yeah. for example, you, you see it. But really, it started with a bunch of scumbags uploading, you know, full movies and then like taking like a, not even buying a CD, just like pirating a CD online and then putting it all into one video and uploading it. Be like, hey, you can stream this full album here. Gotcha. Right. So
2: what happens is then they can run ads on that. So they make money exactly which i don't want them to do i don't want them making money off my stuff just like they don't want me to make money
0: using their songs and <laughs> even i mean this could be a whole nother video and topic but even the disappointing thing is it's like let's say you do a one hour live stream and you're live stream grand theft auto 5 and then a license track plays on the radio for about 30 seconds you're if screwed. that content id matches even though 30 seconds of that is licensed music and the other hour of or like what 59 minutes and 30 mm-hmm. seconds is your own content and doesn't have anything bad with it you're not getting anything off of that
2: that and you can can fight that but do you want to go to court over it Mm -hmm. which in my case you know i'm getting to the point where i'm realizing that i'm going to have to start fighting these companies at times Mm -hmm. so i was prepared to fight ubisoft if i have to but for most people like who's going to fight over a 30 second clip they'll just remove the audio
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, but then even when you remove the audio, then that takes away from, you know, the actual video itself mm-hmm. and everything. So there's actually several videos I have where I've completely deleted because I use, like, this is when I was, you know, younger a few years ago. But I was using, you know, copyrighted music or something like that in the background of a video. It, get got, it gets content ID matched. And I'm like, well, if I mute the track, I can do it. But then my commentary over it is going to get completely butchered. So what's the point?
1: Exactly yeah it yeah. sucks I, I had it happen once or twice with uh when I was live streaming to YouTube gaming or whatever and uh I'm so used to twitch because twitch they don't really you know care at all about what <laughs> you've got going on in the background and uh it got flagged too and I kind of freaked out for a second because I don't you know my my YouTube channel's clean there's nothing no issues with it at all but luckily it just said basically we're letting you know and we're either muting the audio or you know demonetizing
2: it's not, something along those mm. lines I don't really know exactly what it said, but it wasn't it wasn't a big deal in the end. Right, and I have a few videos like that, but there's times where if I put in 20 minutes of good research on a video, I'm not going to let a 30 second music clip ruin me. I'm going to remove it.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course.
2: Yeah. So even with this, I like kind of circling
0: back to the South Park build that you had mm-hmm. before, I know uh, when Happy Console Gamer was originally covering it, he was saying, for example, like at one point when you pick up the shoe, the game just crashed and they didn't know what to do. Cause I mean, it was, I'm not knocking them or anything. I would have been in the exact same position. <laughs> but you had two guys with recording equipment and all that. And they had this game system and this build of a game, but they didn't know how to debug it or fix it or anything like that or recode anything. But I noticed that, you know, when you were playing, it you were able to fix that up and i know that is in part to modding so how valuable has that been towards this whole process
2: I, on that specific example it's just because they were lazy there was three builds on the xbox they played one if they had gone to the other one they would have realized that it worked fine but Shots modding fired. comes in because i i see modding as a way of owning your content mm-hmm Right now we're basically paying for licenses for our games. Once those things, they they decide that you don't get to play those anymore, we're stuck with that unless modding exists. That's true. So for me, I got started using a modded Xbox. What people don't realize about modded Xboxes is past 2000, maybe late 2002 into 2003, all those BIOS, all those modified things, they weren't modified. They were working with stolen Microsoft code. (laughs) (laughs) every little bit of the xbox system had their source code leaked to these private groups Mm -hmm. that's the one thing they don't tell you but anyway i I just see it as a way of making sure that i can go and play these games how i want to play them to be able to do this research into all this content if i don't have a modded system i'm stuck playing it with how they want me to play it that's true and i don't agree with that (laughs) (laughs) i gotcha
0: like and see for uh daniel and i we haven't gotten into the whole game modding, modding or game tampering or anything like that Mm -hmm. aside from i don't know maybe changing a few files changing some values changing uh up stuff with the trainer uh but we've been more into the hardware side of it where we're actually cracking open you know the system software modifying the hardware anything like that to do extra stuff that uh the company originally didn't intend but so we can fully utilize our hardware
2: exactly like for me I'm not into piracy. I pirated stuff years ago. It's just not my thing anymore. I have money. I can go out and buy the games. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I want to be able to put these things on my hard drive. Why should I be limited to this disk that's going to it could explode in my drive because Microsoft drives are made so cheaply? <laughs> I mean, I want to be able to put this on my hard drive, do what I want, whether it's just play it, whether that's mod the game. it doesn't matter. It's my business. I bought the game. Yes. Let me do what I want. and that's why I love modding.
1: That's that's actually exactly how I feel about it. And like, like you said, Team Mr. Mario, I, I don't know much about the whole coding side of things and, and how to actually go into the game's files and really modify things to make them do what I want to, although I, I much I really would like to be able to. I think it goes back to the whole you know time thing. You've got to pick and choose what you've really got time to do and what you want to invest your time in. But at the same time, it's like if you pay for it, and again, you are not... Um, doing things that are necessarily harming the company through, you know, via pir- pirating or stuff like that. I don't see what the harm is in it at all. To me, it's like it, I've learned so much from it. To me, it's more like uh, educational in a sense. Mm hmm now
0: then the problem is you have people that come in and they classify everything as educational including free movies and music and anything else they can get their hands on which that's not going to be the case and i mean that's a whole nother topic into itself Mm -hmm. you know like piracy and all that but um i i for one you know on a moral i know legally it's different but on a moral standpoint i do agree with that to a point where it's definitely like for example i've seen like most YouTube content creators – I I can proudly say this, actually. Uh, I have the Adobe Suite, and I paid for it, and most yep. people on YouTube don't pay for it. That's just as easy as you could say it.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, if I hadn't pirated it when I was 14 years old, I would never be paying for it now. Exactly. So, like, I, I get why we do it and all that, but mm-hmm. –
0: Yeah, because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, like there's several people and it's not just going to be you or I, it's people around the world. That is how they're going to learn because sometimes trials are going to limit you. You won't be able to do anything like that and you have all these talented people. They could be doing whatever they want to, but they might not have the money or the assets to get what they need to do to get it, but eventually they'll be
1: able to do you know what they want to. They'll have the money to pay for it, whatever it is. I feel like with anyone that uses the software and gets to the point where they're actually older and using it on a professional level, they're going to pay for it. I I feel like when it comes to these big softwares, like cinema 4d, for example, I know that a lot of people that do like call of duty editing and stuff like that, pirate that because it is like, it's like a thousand, two dollars software as well. Um, If you're using that on a professional level, I guarantee you that you're making enough money to where you're buying that software. It's just that you've got a kid that's 13 or 14 that is interested in this shit. How the fuck do you expect him to rack up, you know, that from allowances or something like that? It just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And
0: my stance on it, like, from a moral standpoint is, like, if you tell me, like, for example, you know, you're not, um, you don't have, like, a big-paying job and you're just kind of using it on occasion you're learning it. It's like, okay, if you pirate Sony Vegas, I understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say you're a big YouTuber. You have 200. And I've seen this. And I've seen this, and it has annoyed me, but when I see, like, YouTubers, not even, no, not even 200,000, like, a million subscribers, literally, and they're talking about, like, torrenting a movie or pirating a game, I'm like, dude, you, not even games, but, like, even uh, software and all, I'm like, dude, you, that that's your livelihood right there, that's how you make your living. You're able to make enough money to pay the four or $500 to pay for this and, you know, get further along and everything. And then in addition to that, one thing that people don't cover is especially when you are in a business on a perfect, on a personal level, it's different, but on like a enterprise level or business level or anything, you will get slammed a lot harder if you're found to have any improperly registered software or software that you cannot use in a enterprise or business setting or pirated software.
2: Absolutely.
1: Your uh, your video that you uploaded five days ago, the Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon. I feel like the way the reason they hit you too is that video is kicking ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just looking at it. Like I know side thing completely, but a lot of people are really interested in that build,
2: and they all love just how. Basically, I've started to take it more seriously. I realized that you know I have the time. I have to stop making excuses for making crappy videos and take control of it. That's why you know with the microphone that you sent me, that really helped kick my behind a little bit here (laughs) because i realize that i need to put the proper time into it because that's how people are going to enjoy it Mm -hmm. yeah well all those views that the video had that's with it being down for 16 hours plus mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) i mean the the biggest one i've seen at least in recent i'm sure you've had bigger videos but at least the most recent one that i've seen that's huge as well your star wars battlefront 3 video has almost half a million
2: well, I, I wish you guys could see on the old channel the big Battlefront that had like two and a half million views before it, it, it put the end to me. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, it happens. Exactly. My again, my idea is to bring attention to these things to show that people care. That you don't need to throw these things out. You don't need to hide behind it. If Ubisoft has said, "Hey, this is a scripted demo. We're showing you kind of the idea of the game," fine. People would accept that, but now mm-hmm. they're looking at that Watch Dogs demo. That's the biggest request right now. What about that Watch Dogs demo from 2012, something like that? Yeah, the one that was
0: that one looked lovely, and then you know they completely parodied up the game, so it's the right. exact I mean, same as the other versions. Like the the PC version is going to be the same as the older systems and all that, and it doesn't look as good or play as well.
2: Right, if they had said, "Hey, this is our target. This is what we're aiming for," it would be fine. Mm -hmm. no issues nobody would be like fuck ubisoft i hate you guys Mm -hmm. but now because they've lied lied by omission really because they haven't outright said that this was fully automated or whatever that's why people get mad but But they don't want that to happen but I was going to
0: say then, it's not even you know just Ubisoft. As you and I know, a lot of these companies, because of the uh, the setup they have and everything, most of the time, I mean, yeah, they do have someone playing up on stage E3, but most of it is a ruse. A lot of it is already scripted in. Like, I remember the very first Halo demo that yep. came or not demo, but the, well, I guess live demonstration, you could say, uh, before Halo was a first-person shooter. And even Halo 2, I want to say, uh, yep. when they first showed that at E3, uh, Bungie and all the companies, they'd come out and they said they're like yeah i mean you guys want that demo but there's literally nothing there everything was scripted there was like zero gameplay
2: <laughs> right and bungie has come out and said that they've been honest about it and great you know i'm okay with that i get that games aren't done you're trying to put your best foot forward a lot of them use god mode which is no big deal you, you don't want them to die you saw the uh uncharted video where nate (laughs) jumps off the cliff i mean this stuff happens that's why you want to control it but to Mm -hmm. say that this is the game that we have right now is a lie i'm sorry Mm -hmm. and you have to live by that so when somebody like me comes and picks your game out of the trash accept that (laughs) are are, are you okay
0: is dan gone no I i was asking are you okay I'm good. Uh, okay, okay, because you were getting a little heated there about Ubisoft. I was like, whoa, like, what did Ubisoft Ubisoft has
2: done it to me multiple <laughs> times. That, okay. That's why. Ubisoft <laughs> has pulled my videos in the past, and I've had to fight them. I gotcha. Just because, you know, I haven't stolen. There's games out there that I've turned down because I've thought that they were from hacked systems where they've hacked, whether it's Xbox Live, whether it's their private networks. I could have had a PS4 and an Xbox One seven months before they came out Mm -hmm. i chose not to because i didn't like the source of course these are things that are either sent to the press which is your own fault these are things that have been thrown in the trash i mean once you throw in the trash that's it you've Mm -hmm. thrown in the trash just because i have it doesn't mean that you get to say ah i didn't mean to throw that out Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, so ubisoft gets on my nerves sometimes
0: i understand and even as a content creator i would get that but um even when you're talking about you know you have this stuff and everything like that Uh, we had talked about you know releasing prototypes and everything Mm. like that before but I know there are several prototypes you have that are public I don't know if you've released any personally but I know you also have several that you have not released yet and I guess at what point would you say or anybody else or kind of what at what point do people judge and say hey this is something that we should release to the public and not just have in the hands of a few people and a few videos online because I know you have a lot of stuff and several other people have a lot of stuff where
2: I'm like I would love to play that. I'd love to get my hands on it. For me, it becomes a lot about personal risk. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't continually put my livelihood on the line just to please a few people online. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You know, I would love for you to be able to play and I welcome you to stop by and play them sometimes. But, like, a game like Star Wars Battlefront 3, when you know that they're working on Battlefront over and over again. It took a few years, but it came out. It's Star Wars. It's all these companies involved. It's Disney now. I'm not putting my fingerprints on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I cannot risk everything I own just so somebody can play a video game. I'm uh, sorry, I care, but not that much.
1: You're asking for a fat lawsuit if you start doing stuff like that.
2: You know Exactly. But yeah. at the same time, there's games that go from studios that have gone out of business where that's a risk that I'm sometimes willing to take. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we talk about those community releases because I can't put money forward and then not get anything back. Because that means that the prototypes stop coming. Mm-hmm. I get things that nobody else does because I'm honest. I've been doing this for 10 years. Uh, really? That long? Yeah, I mean, I started when I was in high school. I have a master's degree now. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've been around a while. People know that they can come to me. I will work out a fair deal for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, money will get you cool things, but it <laughs> won't give you everything. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes I just ask for, hey, you know, give me half of what I paid for it. That's sometimes me putting forward $1,000. I think that's fair. (laughs) I
0: gotcha. Yeah. Now, then, if anybody's wanting to, I guess, get into this, like, you know, like, prototype preservation, anything like that, I guess, what are some tips that you might have or anything that, like, you'd recommend or even, I guess, like, uh, I'm not saying explicitly how you got your stuff, but, Mm -hmm. like, how you might have gotten started with it all. Like, is this stuff just stuff that, like, floats around on eBay or do you have to know that guy in the shady back alley or what?
2: Knowing the guy helps for a lot of cool things, but mm-hmm. so many cool things show up on eBay, but you have to be willing to do that once or twice a day. Have your searches, have the stuff that you're interested in. Xbox debug kits are pulled from eBay within a day, usually, because yeah, Microsoft doesn't want them up there. I know Assembly so, has got
1: a lot of cool shit on it, too, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we do. We're willing to sell things. We're willing to work things out. I'm always willing to help somebody, but you also have to realize it's not going to happen overnight, either. Like I started buying just games that were press build, some of them are good some of them are crap you gotta take that risk sometimes you know, like I've put forward $200 before and got a game that is basically the final game it (laughs) happens, it sucks but it happens Yeah. so you just have to be patient, you have to know your budget know what you're doing, go on eBay go to different forums, whether it's Assembler whether it's someplace else, there are probably places out there, just talk to me, you know I'm always willing to work things out.
0: And what you're saying is, too, I mean, if you're really going to get serious about this, is to put some money forward. Because, I mean, there are a good amount of things that you could find freely available online that have been publicly released. But there's also things, you know, you're saying like $1,000, $200, all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. And even development hardware costs quite a bit of money, too. So, I mean, you're not going to get very far if you're that guy who's spamming on forums saying, please give me download links to this.
2: Right. It's like... uh, Star Wars Battlefront 3 cost me $600, I think, at the time, $500, something like that. I thought
0: it was going to be a lot more, actually. (laughs) Right,
2: which when you think about it, yeah, it's not bad, but then you figure that's $500, $600 for that. There's $400 at the time for the Xbox kit to play it, uh, $200 for the capture card at the time because they're all new still.
1: I, I definitely think though because I what I, I've looked like I said a lot of assembler and I, I think that as much as I, I wouldn't be able to use very much prototype hardware um, you know to to do much with it aside from preserve it or play uh, games that aren't completed yet I, I think that prototype things in general is you could expect that it's going to be decently pricey
2: yeah I mean and there are things that maybe there's one of maybe there's a dozen of them. That's not a lot when you figure there is a hundred and whatever million PlayStation sold.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, I mean, you know, you think like for people that are watching that think that, you know, spending a couple hundred bucks on like a modified console is a lot, when you get into some of that really rare stuff, like you're going to be paying top dollar for it. And I'm not saying that, like you just said too, you'll, you'll do fair, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll work with people and you'll do things that are fair, but at the same time, it's still, you got to expect to pay for, pay for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a DS kit on my desk that's $400, a Game Boy Advance, $300, 2 or three Xbox kits at at least $300 each. It just adds up over and over again. So that's one of the things that I, I want to point Yeah, we out. get it, man. You have money. We get it. <laughs> and there's the thing. I don't have any more money than anybody else. It's just that I've been doing it for 10 years. You've acquired so, a lot over time. Exactly. Like, don't expect to get it all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, there's stuff that I would love to find tomorrow, but it could take me another 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I, you just have to be patient. You have to be willing to talk to people. Don't be like, hey, give me, a, give me everything you own. Who cares about what you paid for it? It deserves to be free. It's a lot, like, I could have
0: used, you know, even my inventory as an example, but I think uh, in Gran Torino, I'm paraphrasing here, but what he said, you know, about having tools really makes sense, where it's like, yeah, tools are expensive, but you don't buy a entire shed worth of tools at once. You mm-hmm. get some, and then you just, over years and over time, you keep getting them until you have a collection, and you buy what you need as you acquire it.
2: Exactly. The first thing I started out with was a modified Xbox. I learned to put the Xbox development software on there, and that was, Xboxes were still new at the time, but, you know, that was a reasonable place to start. Mm -hmm. I didn't all of a sudden jump for a $700 development kit, because what am I going to do with it? I don't know how to use it. There's a learning curve. Yeah, and then that's even been one thing.
0: Like, I could go out and get dev hardware right now, but I don't really know how to use it. Is a thing, and I guess how would you start off on that as well, too, for anybody who would be interested in that? I mean, the closest I have, I think I have one or two Xbox Three Sixty that I've flashed like NANDs over to, but that's about it.
2: I just know what you're interested in. If you're interested in Three Sixty stuff, start with a JTAG unit. Start with a RGL loader with the. You could load the XShell onto that. Mm-hmm. Start with something like that. You don't need to spend. Money on there's the these X and A kits which come with one gig of RAM instead of five twelve megs. Yo, those things They're are beautiful. Nice. <laughs> They're oh, Daniel, you know, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Those, those things are gorgeous, fam. Oh, those things are lovely. <laughs> yeah. But why spend that money? I have three builds after all these years that use that gig of RAM. Most mm-hmm. things don't. Most things you can run on just a modified console. So start with that.
1: It's overkill, it's, basically, for for someone just trying to get into it. Right, it's a
2: gig of I've,
0: RAM. And I, I can't I,
1: believe in 2016 I'm getting excited about that but
2: yeah. <laughs> I find that there is builds on eBay that go for $50. Buy one.
1: Yeah. Sometimes
2: they're good, sometimes they're not. I bought a build of X-Men the official game. It has early stuff in it. It was $50. Mm-hmm. I mean it's just not you don't have to go and spend all this money.
0: I I will say as well too like because uh, I I follow you of course and I follow other people who have covered you know all this beta stuff and everything and it did inspire me to actually I'm not gonna say what it is because I'm gonna make a <laughs> video at one point in time but I did get a piece like that within the past week I did get a piece of hardware it's not a game system but it is a accessory. And um, it's I paid like $40 for it, which when I will show, I mean, it probably is worth $40, 50 but that's the retail version. I have a beta version of it, which I expected would go for a lot more, but it was just kind of someone on eBay who's just looking to get rid of it for
2: cheap. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes they don't go for more. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like, I have 360 controllers that are prototype versions technically, but there's also a small audience of people that cares. That's why we can sell a Battlefront Three for six hundred dollars instead of six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Because there there's a lot of entry barriers and there's just a lot of people that don't know what's out there. And see that but
0: that's weird that you say that too, because because it's like battlefield battlefront three of all things, I would expect it to be, you know, at least a thousand.
2: Right. And I mean you're talking about a game that has had twenty, thirty millions of dollars put into it, mm-hmm. and yet I can just buy it for a few hundred. <laughs> to me, it's a fair deal, but I mean...
0: Yeah, hey, I, I didn't want to pay 60 for mine, so I got the retail, <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I wouldn't pay 60 for it either, so... <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> Be like, you know what? Your game was so bad, I would have rather spent $500 on the unreleased version that's glitchy <laughs> and barely even works compared to the $60
2: polished version that you all released.
1: <laughs>
2: uh But then you'd have things like massively multiplayer games where their servers go offline. And what are you supposed to do? Just accept that the game that you loved is gone? No, you mod things, whether it's the software or uh, things like EverQuest Online Adventures, which was on the PS2. You have to mod your hardware, then you have to mod the software. And I don't even think there's a server emulator out for it yet. So there's all these different modding things that are so important.
0: Uh, yeah. a, a lively one right now would be, I know Phantasy uh, Star Online on Dreamcast still has yeah. a loyal audience through custom servers and everything.
2: Yep, you've got Star Wars Galaxy servers, there's all these cool things that are going up, and we're just now starting to see the copyright law reflect that these things are going on, and we have to let them go on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I so mean, the that,
0: copyright law is also, it's dated in so many ways as well, too, mm-hmm. unfortunately.
2: And it's a shame, because some of what I do could be illegal, it might not be. Mm -hmm. The lawyers I talk to basically say that you won't know until you test it. (laughs) (laughs) And I would rather not be that person to test it. I would rather have somebody big test it else, Someone else take the fall. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars that I don't have. (laughs) But, But, hey, everything is is worth taking, I guess. Yeah, I mean, every video we put online could be – taken down especially with what's happened especially
0: this is completely off the topic but like what's happened with youtube on the past the past like month where there's just like all these huge channels getting shut down randomly who are literally not doing anything that they could be um, risk like at risk for or anything like that so the platform can be unstable as well too
2: yeah and that happened to me with my first channel i mean technically because you can't have two channels this channel isn't mine it's in my wife's name Mm-hmm. So you two people out there, I'm in the clear. Don't worry. Uh, but because there's so little recourse to do anything, when you start getting these copyright complaints, if they come in like three at the same time, you're screwed. That's what <laughs> happened to me. You know, My account was clean until it wasn't. By then mm-hmm. it was too late. Mm-hmm. So we're at the mercy of all these big companies while we just hope and pray that we can do the thing that we love to do. We need a revolution. Someday someday just not today i'm i just had dinner I'm i've tired. got things to do <laughs> um, yeah
0: things to do people to see all that fun stuff yeah mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say another thing as well like uh, how uh, i guess how well do you see time being a factor in prices for this as well because there's um this one i i'm willing to talk about a little bit because i'm currently the, the video's on the cutting room floor uh and if you've made it to near the end of the podcast here because we're gonna wrap it up soon thank you very much you i guess deserve to hear about mm-hmm. this but uh have either of you guys heard of thrill kill Yep. I've heard of it, but I don't... I can't tell you where I heard of it. So, infamous PlayStation 1 unreleased game. One okay. of my favorites, personally, and it played a big role in me getting into modding. But I know now you can easily find the full game available online pretty much everywhere as well as several different beta builds. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember I talked with somebody who now, granted, this game was supposed to come out in late 1998 and this person in a forum post had said that the way they got it, they got the game like two or three months after it was supposed to come out. Again, it was cancelled and they had to pay like $50 for it back then and it required them to go to someone's house in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) They opened up their door just a crack they slid them the $50 this guy closed the door disappears and comes back out with a suspicious looking you know burnt CDR copy of the game and people were just like dude why would you do that nobody in the right mind would do it and he just replied, he's like hey it was like early 1999 and this game had I mean the game was canceled like two months prior so yeah it was worth $50 at the time and risking possibly getting you know jacked and raped and killed and all that stuff maybe or maybe not in that order yeah
2: So that game was, uh, at least one of the builds was uploaded by the developer after it got shut down. Mm -hmm. I think it was uploaded to Usenet, the news groups and everything, and that's kind of how it started to spread. But most people still don't know about Usenet and all that stuff, so, I mean, it was a slow burn, so that's why you had people like that sliding it under their garage doors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. And I I think I have... three of the four builds that are out so yeah i don't even know which ones are out there anymore
0: <laughs> i mean i could name them all but this is not throw kill video this is mod chat
2: <laughs> and eventually the game became a wu-tang clan game anybody uh, it, wants it was, to go out there and love it was used for the
0: the engine for that game yeah exactly so yeah i mean it lived on with wu-tang and then it's it's kind of funny that you know that happened and we never got thrill Kill, but we got the wu-tang game and then wu-tang had that album that we can't get a hold of because martin chacrilli mm-hmm. is holding it hostage and all and that,
2: ugh, i'm getting off topic i didn't <laughs> like that anyways you talking about anybody who's wondering thrill is not that good I, but it's a it, curious story, and not every game has to be good. It is,
0: and I actually do cover that in the video where I even say, I'm just like, it's not the best game ever. A lot of people hype it up, it's, it's alright, but honestly, it is my guilty pleasure.
2: <laughs> and there's a lot of cancelled games like that. I have a cancelled game based on the rocket-powered Nickelodeon cartoon. Wasn't there and one that came out? There was, and then this was the sequel that was going to come out. Gotcha. What and platform I, was that on? Because I know this the first was, one came out on PS1. Uh, this was a PS2 and Xbox. There's a game called Zero Gravity Zone that also came out on Game Boy Advance, which is probably along the same idea. Because this was called Zero Gravity Zone. But, I mean, it's not good. There's, all these PS2 <laughs> games just aren't good, and they still cost a lot of money. <laughs> Nobody cares but me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why is because you're the
0: one who's paying for this and willing to you know pay the bill, and I'm just like,
2: uh, I'll just... <laughs> I'll just watch. It's yeah. fine. And there are others out there. But the way I see it is, I'm willing to share, at the very least, information. I'm mm-hmm. willing to occasionally share a build, whether that's for free or not. There are collectors out there with stuff that would blow your mind that I can't talk about. <laughs> because they don't want people to know about it. They they buy it because they want to be the only one. I buy it because I care about the games. Seriously. And, you know, I've talked to people in museums, and that's the ultimate goal is to find some sort of system which is going to involve modded consoles because these development units aren't going to last forever because they're hunks of crap sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So we need to have some sort of system where people can access these things, whether that's a play, whether it's to do research. I'm just trying to hold on to things as as well as I can until we get to that point. Well, just recently, the
0: EEF uh, EFF, excuse me, didn't they put out something saying that now, like for museums and other things, like if a game cannot or system cannot be used without modifying it, you can now modify it. Kind of. I, okay. I don't think I don't know all is, the details on it, but it was yeah, something like that. They're they're using it. I know they're using it to their advantage with the video game museums.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of where it's starting. But then you have emulators like MAME where you're not sure exactly what the licensing is on it. So there's been companies who have gotten in trouble for using emulators that they don't own and putting them in retail releases. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's give and take by the communities. Uh, Retron 5. Yeah, that was a lot of take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: For anyone that doesn't know, all that stor- stuff was open source, but it was open source, and you could not resell it. Was the thing. So, right, what which they, they were they don't doing get to was decide. They, yeah, which <laughs> they were taking. So, the people who made the Retron Five took the source code for these emulators that was freely available and ended up monetizing it, which they were not supposed to do. So, I don't know how that's happening now because I mean, I just personally, I just bought a Retron Five, so you can still buy them. <laughs> They're still on sale. They're
2: still in production. And again, it's going to come down to who is going to be willing to step up and challenge them. Because well, these emulators have so many authors, so you have to assume that one of them at least has said, don't do this. Now, does that person care enough? No, so companies are going to get away with it. Of course.
1: Retro 5 is what, like a retro duo?
0: Uh, it does like 10 different systems. I think it does like all the Game Boy games and does Famicom, uh, Nintendo, Super Famicom, Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. Genesis, I want to say, and maybe some others in there. Game Boy Advance. Did we say that? I Something, think, yeah. Like I said Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game oh, Boy I Advance, like all remember. the Game
1: Boys in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I, I like having all the original consoles and all the retro stuff, but I mean, for space purposes and just being able to play all your games in one, that's pretty badass.
0: Oh yeah, dude. This thing is going in the living room.
1: Yeah. That's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> Mm. Let me. Once you, do you already have it or no? It's on the way.
0: Uh, no, it's gonna be on the way.
1: Okay. Whenever you get it, I'll set up do video on it because if it's any good, I'm probably gonna get one too.
0: Okay. Uh, anybody who's looking, by the way, the way I got it, it's, even though it's out, I had to pre-order it. But as much as I hate them, GameStop, they're selling them for a hundred bucks. Everywhere else is a hundred forty, so that's why I got it.
1: It's called it's called the Retron Five.
0: Retron Five. Okay, I'll take a look. Even though it does like ten systems, or so, I don't know. Yeah,
2: there were other ones kind of before that by the same company that used clone hardware. This yeah, one uses emulators. Because I
0: think there was the Retron, which was a Nintendo, Retron Duo was Nintendo Super Nintendo, and Retron 3 was the Nintendo Super Nintendo Genesis. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I just know that because when I worked at a game store, we sold the Retron 2 and 3.
1: It's awesome, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people are willing to pay for that, too. So, I mean, it works out. Yeah. Anyways, I think it's, uh, we're pretty much at an hour now. So, unless, uh, yeah. uh, if we have anything extra to say, I guess we can wrap up here. Unless <laughs> uh, you all have anything extra? we could go on for hours if you wanted to but <laughs> that's we'll true be kind. Mm-hmm. yeah we'll be kind we, we normally try and keep the mod chat episodes around an hour ish or so but hey you know uh <laughs> you're more than welcome to come back for a part two
2: on this if people want it absolutely we've got a lot of a lot of stuff that we barely even touched yeah we just talked about uh how do you need this money yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. if you want to give me money there's a Patreon campaign going yeah. on on the YouTube channel yeah. so there's my plugs patreon.com slash p 2 online and youtube.com slash p2ponline lots All of right. prototypes lots of cool stuff thank you
0: definitely go check him out I mean he, he's, he's got some really kick ass videos so I yeah. highly recommend that yeah Anyways, uh, this is Mr. Mario, signing off. Thank you all for listening, watching, everyone, all that stuff. If you are listening to this or watching it on YouTube, please let us know what you thought down below in the comments section, and, uh, you know, anything else. Like, if you want a part two to this, anything else you want to have us cover, and all that other good stuff, we do read the comments and listen to user feedback and everything. You can also find us on iTunes, uh, Podbean, we have a Facebook page as well, too, that we don't use too much, but we're trying to use it, and uh, we are currently in the works. We've been approved Approved. But we are currently in the works of uh, getting Mod Chat on uh, Google Play, so we'll be on your iPhone and your Android device here hopefully soon. Which
1: I'd like to thank you for setting that up too, because oh, you have dude. been
0: kick-ass with getting us out there. Hey, dude, no problem, no problem, man. It's just I, I love doing this, so it works out. But right now, it's uh, we've been approved, which is good. It's just we're currently waiting on Google themselves to put out the podcast feature to everyone. Okay.
1: So it's, it's, uh, it's around the corner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm at Google's point now. Like
1: I, I already approved it. I have it up there. That's it. It's out of my hands. Okay. Right on. That's badass. Well, and I guess I, I too would like to one more time, thank our guests for coming on the show. It was definitely a lot of fun having you on and you know, a lot of things in regards so. to, you know, uh, beta and just dev hardware and stuff that I you know really don't have much knowledge on. So it's really cool to have you and uh, for you
2: to take your time to come on and share some of your uh, knowledge and information with our viewers thank you i mean i i love coming on and talking about this stuff clearly i'm passionate we we, we say a lot of bad things about ubisoft sometimes but <laughs> again the fact is if they're not going to care about their games i am whether yeah. they're good or bad so it, it's all about passion
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so again thank you thank you for that man it's awesome yeah you are the anti-martin chakrelli when it comes <laughs> to prototypes <Thank> you. <laughs> yeah I guess I'll sign off, too, on my end. So, Dope's Wonder, thank you guys, as always, for checking out episode 14 of Mod Chat. So, yeah. Woo! 14!